Welcome to the Thrive in Higher Ed podcast, a place to explore new approaches, strategies, and tools to learn, grow, and thrive in higher education. This is a community for instructors, staff, grad students, and campus leaders to learn together, to tinker, to find ways to be more effective and productive, and to innovate in big and small ways. I'm your host, Mark Hofer. So today on the podcast, I'm joined by my friend, colleague, and co-conspirator, David Slykeis. David and I go back a long time through our professional organization, developing a couple of faculty development programs for using technology to enhance teaching and learning, as well as uh, various other plotting and scheming. Um, David is one of the best collaborators and leaders that I know, and definitely a true innovator. He uh, is always wanting to try new things and learn from them to move forward. So, uh, David, say hi. Well, Mark, thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute honor to be the first guest on, on your podcast. And after listening to the first three episodes, I am counting on your post-production magic to make me sound as intelligent as you have. <laughs> well, David, I'm not a miracle worker, but you know, I'll, I'll do what I can. <laughs> no, I'm really excited to be talking with you because you're somebody, I, one of the things I've always liked about you is you're sort of, you immediately say yes. You know, you're ready to dive in and try something, you know, no matter how a half-baked the idea is. Uh, we've worked on a couple of projects together that gained great momentum after we started and some that didn't, you know, and that's okay because you learn stuff from it. So I've always appreciated that about you. And so I, when I, I knew I wanted to do some uh, interviews from time to time on this podcast, and I, I thought, well, the first person I have to have is David. So, so thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Oh well, well, thanks again for having me. After listening to your last episode about uh, you know paring down and going backwards, <laughs> I think maybe I'm doing that all wrong. <laughs> I did. That was in the back of my mind as I was saying. He always says yes because yeah. I always say yes too. Um, yeah, I'm actually literally today. I've got some brand new stack of post-its. <laughs> I need to sort of do that recalibration already this semester. So yeah. yes, I'm with you on that. <laughs> well, let's dive in, David. So first, just you you had a long career in higher ed doing a lot of different kinds of things. And I guess I'll just start off with like, what, what excites you about working in higher ed? Because I know you've had other opportunities to do other things, but but I know the higher ed space is something you really enjoy. And and what is it that that uh, excites you about working in higher ed? Well, sure. So there, there's a couple of things that really excite me about higher ed. I think first and foremost, it's just the opportunity to help uh, students. And, you know, it, unless you're, you know, one of the, you know, 0.1%, you know, who the Steve Jobs of the world who don't need education and can become, you know, enormously successful. If you really want to, you know, to be upwardly mobile, higher ed's the way to go. There, there's still plenty of evidence out there that says, you know, a, a higher education is the way to move, move up in the world and, and to help yourself and help your family. And I just love to be able to give that opportunity to people. One of the nice things about my current institution is that 47% of our students are first-generation college students. And so, wow. you know, we really get to give that, that opportunity to a lot of students to change their lives. That, that's so cool. I, I think sometimes I always wonder, like, when I tell folks that I meet, you know, outside of, of higher ed, what I do and, and where I work, I, I almost feel like I was like ivory tower, sort of elitist kind of feel to it. But you're right. I mean, it's such a, it's such an accelerator for folks to, 
to do so much more uh, than they might otherwise have the opportunity to do. And, and that's, that's tremendous. 47%. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, and, and then there's always the, uh, you know, the super pragmatic side. Once you're in higher ed, like we are, and you've, you've got tenure, it's, it's a nice position to be in. Definitely, definitely some nice job security. And, yeah. and one of the things, one of the, one of the reasons I, I definitely wanted to talk with you today is you've not been afraid to branch out and try new things within higher ed. And so that's one of the things that I always tell people if they're like doctoral students, if they're trying to think about if they want to go back into K-12 education being that's my you know academic focus, or mm-hmm. if they want to work in higher ed, you know, that's actually a real advantage, maybe even more so in higher ed than K-12 is that you have a lot of different opportunities, even within your existing institution, if not other places, to try new things, to build your skills and to have different experiences. And I know you've really taken advantage of that. Yeah, I have. And, it, and I think part of it is is what you said at the beginning. I, I tend to say yes to a lot of things, but I, I really love the challenge of the next thing. And, and I, sometimes I think that's a, a, a wonderful characteristic. And sometimes I think maybe it's a character flaw, but I, I'm always, I'm, I'm always kind of looking like I enjoy what I'm doing and I like to, I like to get after it. I like to conquer it. And then I'm always like, all right, well, what's next, you know, all right, I've done this. What, what could I do next? You know, and and I think that it's kind of funny that this is sort of carries over from, you know, my personal life and professional life, you know, you know in a non-pandemic setting. And we've probably had this experience together. You know, if we're even if we're at, uh, you know, out for a drink or two, my always my thought is always, all right, I'm the guy on the phone going, well, where can we go next? What's the next <laughs> fun thing that we can do? You know, and, and, and I like that planning and I like that leading and, you know, I, I keep following that around and seeing where it takes me. So that's a great, great segue. I mean, you've over the last maybe 10 years, you've had like some major shifts in, in your job, like at your previous institution, moving across the country to start a totally different kind of job and a totally different kind of unit. Um, what do you look for? when you're looking for new opportunities? Again, whether it's in your current institution or even kind of looking more broadly, what do you look for when you think about new opportunities? Uh, yeah, so that that's a tough one, Mark. So a, a lot of it, you know, go go back to our, our friends at uh, who developed TPAC and, you know, all of TPAC sits in a context, mm-hmm. you know, and and the, the context to me matters a lot. And it changes all the time. So I, you know, I was at my previous institution at James Madison for a long time. And part of that was the context of, you know, uh, I have two, two daughters and getting them through school, uh, got our oldest one all the way through school you know, in the Harrisonburg City Schools. And then we had an opportunity to move out here. And the context, you know, worked as far as our family, you know, that timing seemed right. It seemed right as far as, you know, professionally, you know, how it all lined up, you know, it looked like it was, it was just a, a situation that, that, that worked for all of these different settings. And so, you know, I, I don't think you can look at, at these job switches and so forth and changes and on all these opportunities purely from a professional standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's not, I try not to just chase the ladder up the ladder just for, you know, what's on the next rung, but it has to work, you know, in all aspects of your life, if it's going to be a successful transition. 
Yeah, if you could see me, you would have seen my head bobbing up and down like you know a uh, one of those bobbleheads on the car <laughs> window, right, and the dashboard. No. Because I, I that's I think that's a reason why we connected all those years ago. Is I think that for both of us, sort of that work life balance is important, family yep. is important, and you really need to look at opportunities holistically. Um, because it isn't just about sort of that next title or that next job and hopefully the right. raise that comes with it, but yeah. you have to, you have to enjoy what you're doing. It's got to, you've got to be able to set the appropriate boundaries. And, and so I definitely, you know, I definitely hear that coming through and in, in what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's difficult to balance. I mean, it takes a lot of things, you know, you have to get a lot of input from a lot of people and figure out, you know, how does, how does this all fit together and making that puzzle all work? So, so, what do, so let's say there's an opportunity on the horizon and you feel like the context, you know, you could make it work and, you know, you feel like it might be interesting. How can you tell that it's going to be, a, or, or what are the factors that you consider when trying to determine if it's a good fit for you? And something that really is worth diving into, because that's another thing that is, I think, true of both of us, is that when we do something, we go all in. You know, we don't just kind of go through the motions. Right. But when we try something new, when we take on a new responsibility or, you know, a new project, we really go all in. So in order to do that, you've got to have that feeling that this is this is the right thing to do. So can you talk a little bit about what, um, you know, how you try to determine if it is a good fit for you and if it's worth diving into? Sure. So w- when you examine opportunities like that and, and, and trying to figure out, you know, what's a good fit and what's worth my time, I think it's, it's something that you have to feel passionate about. And so, you know, if you have that energy and that drive and you're like, you know, this is something that I really want to spend my time on, not something that I need to spend my time on, then it makes that so much easier. And it makes that decision, you know, to dive into that project easy because it's not like, all right, I have to carve out X number of hours to do this. But instead it's like, I'm excited to go and try this. and I'm excited to work on this, you know, um, for example, a project that you know that I've been working on for a long time was the teacher educator technology competencies. And, and we had a research group, you know, for that, that we met every Wednesday morning at basically nine o'clock for three plus years that we did this. And it wasn't, it never got to a point of being a chore. You know, it always was a pleasure. And that made that research group very successful. Um, a, a little a little tease to your audience, that research group, the Tetsi Research Group, actually was uh, a- awarded the Edward C. Pomeroy Award from AACTE for outstanding research and contributions to the field. Uh, that's technically not even been uh, uh, formally announced yet, but but that's the type of thing, you know, it, it uh, an effort like that becomes successful because you enjoy doing it. That's awesome. Well, first of all, congratulations. Uh, that is amazing. I'm not surprised because I know how impactful and influential that work has been. But I think it's a great case study in that because I know that that the other uh, researchers on that team, uh, Denise, uh, Teresa, and, um, and and Kevin. And Kevin, yeah, sorry, yep. totally froze there for a second. That they were equally committed and equally excited about it. And I think that when you have that excitement, then that translates into really productive, really good work. 
And when you don't, when you're pulling people along, you know, sometimes that doesn't result in the best quality work or the best possible contribution. So I think that's a really good insight that you can almost do like an energy log, you know, during the week. And yep. you find like days where, you know, you, you can pinpoint like, gosh, my energy was so low when I was working on this. That may tell you something or vice versa. I was so jazzed at the end of the week because of this, that, you know, that can be a really important signal for you, either for the specific project, the kind of work you're doing. And so for you with the Tetsi work, I think a big part of it is you really like to collaborate. You really like to work with other people and you get some energy from that. Is that fair to say? <laughs> that That is absolutely fair to <laughs> say. Yeah. I, 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 collaboration is, is, I have been a hallmark of my career and, and working with other people. If it's been, you know, through the leadership, you know, of organizations or, you know, NTLS or site or all of that, it's all been working with people. And that, those are the opportunities that I love, you know, getting to know people across the country and getting, you know, you know figuring out what they're doing well and how can you amplify their work and how can you work together, you know, to make all of these things, you know, you know, build upon each other because, you know, so often you know, going off on a bit of a tangent here, but so often here in, in higher ed, we have our own little pet projects and we try to do it, but we never get a real opportunity to see how that fits into the sort of the big picture and how thing, how we can amplify each other's work. And that, that's what I like to do is really, work with other people, amplify their work, you know, and, and put those puzzle pieces uh, all across the country of all these different projects together. That's great. Um, any, anything else that you, that was, you sort of went right on to my next question is like what you've learned about yourself in working in higher ed through different kinds of experiences. So that, uh, that idea of really getting energy uh, from working in collaboration for wanting to amplify others' work and see how you can contribute to a bigger picture, uh, you know, enjoying that idea of, of bringing energy to what you do. Is there anything else you've learned about yourself um, as you've worked in different ways and different kinds of experiences in higher ed? Yeah. So I think one thing that I've learned is, and, and one thing I, I try to bring, you know, to work every day is that there's no reason work can't be fun. You know, you don't have to go to an office and stare at a screen and if it's, you know, right now in your home or, or if it's on campus or whatever and slog through the day. There's no reason that you can't have a, you know, a fun, positive attitude and enjoy the people that you're working with and do all of that. Because I, I just think, I think fun is underrated in a work environment and that, that if people really enjoy what they're doing and enjoy, you know, spending that time together and collaborating, it makes all of the, of the actual work that you have to do so much easier to do. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And that it certainly rings true um, with the times I've had the good fortune to work with you that there's, it's always fun. It's yeah. always, uh, it's never, it's never just, you know, focused on the task at hand, although, you know, we are very productive together, but That's it right. shows that they're not mutually exclusive, you know? Absolutely. Um, so, so Dave, just one last question. Um, I think that especially the pandemic, uh, working from home and, you know, everything's been sort of thrown upside down. I think a lot of people are starting to maybe think about what might be next, looking for new opportunities or, um, just, just realizing that they want something different. Uh, so I guess my question would be is what advice would you give to folks that are, that are working in higher ed 
and feeling either stagnant in their current role or wanting to make a move or, or have a new opportunity in front of them, what advice would you give, give folks if they, if they knocked on your door? Yeah. So I think the advice I would give is, you know, I, I, don't be afraid to move. I think one of the things that has helped me in my career is not being limited by geography. And so, you know, I started my, my K-12 teaching in Illinois. I did uh, my PhD in North Carolina. I taught at a higher ed at James Madison in Virginia. Now I'm out in, in Colorado. And there are wonderful people and wonderful places all across the country. And if you, if you put yourself in a box geographically, your, your opportunities just go down exponentially. And so I, th I think that's the biggest thing. And I know there are lots of reasons to limit yourself geographically, you know, family and all, all sorts of things. And, and, and geographically, I will say now, I wouldn't mind living a little farther south. Uh, it's a little warmer. <laughs> Uh, but, but, you know, don't, don't be afraid to move. It, it's a, it's a hard transition every time you move, but, but it opens up all, all you really end up doing is expanding your network and, and meeting more people and having more opportunity. That's great. And, you know, and I think sometimes people worry about moving, moving on because they feel like they're going to burn bridges or, right. you know, and I think you are a perfect case study of somebody that, doesn't have to be that way when you move on to a new opportunity. I mean, I know that you're still very well connected uh, from the different places you've been. And, you know, it, it certainly doesn't need to be that way. It can be a way where you just grow your network rather than, you know, just, just switch your network or move, move to a different place. That's right. And, you know, and I have found that, you know, people want to help you succeed. You know, I, you know, people want to help you grow if that's personally, professionally, if that's helping you find the next job if it's helping you move on to a different position, you know, everyone likes to, well, maybe not everyone, but most people like to see other people succeed as well, you know, and help them and mentor them along the way. And so I think, you know, there's always a great opportunity and it's, it's not burning bridges. It's building more bridges. There you go. I love it. I love it. I think David, we'll leave it there. Um, you'll be back, I'm sure, on a future episode. But um, before we wrap up, just where can folks find you online if they would like to connect with you? Sure. So my, I, I love Twitter. I'm quite active on Twitter. Um, I can and, vouch for that. Yeah. And you can find me at at P-H-D-S-L-Y-K. So at, I, I got my Twitter handle, you know, pretty early on after getting my uh, doctorate degree. So I was pretty excited about the PhD. So it's at P-H-D-S-L-Y-K. That's great, David. Thank you so much for joining us today and uh, really appreciate you sharing your experience and, and a bit of who you are with, with the listeners. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I've enjoyed your podcast and look forward to continuing to uh, follow, sub sub subscribe, like, and review. So, so you basically, you're saying you'd recommend others do that as well? I would. I think that all of the <laughs> listeners should do that. <laughs> Thanks. I'll send that Venmo payment to you as soon as we finish. <laughs> Thanks, David. You bet. Thank you, Mark. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview. I know it was a little longer than a typical podcast episode, but I hope that you were able to pull out a few things from uh, listening to David and how he approaches new opportunities and change in higher ed. 
I know as I think back on the conversation, one of the things that I'm left with is the idea that it's really important to choose those people that you surround yourself with. It's really important to find those folks that you really connect with and that share similar values and similar approaches. They can be wonderful collaborators, but also great mentors and, and guides and, and sounding boards as you explore new opportunities and new possibilities. So I hope that you have those people around you. And if you don't, you need to find some. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show and got something from it, please consider subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. And maybe more importantly, share with someone else who might enjoy it. Also, it'd be great if you could leave a review wherever you download your podcasts. For more on the podcast, check out the website at markhofer.com slash podcast. There you'll find the show notes as well as contact information for David. In the next episode, I'll be sharing with you an ongoing experiment that I've been working on related to using focused blocks of time to be more productive and more efficient. Until then, make it a great week.